This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joir. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joir, and today is Wednesday, November 27th, 2019. I have a couple of special guests. I have Finbar. How do you say your last name? Moynihan. That's right. Thank you. I didn't want to mess that up. That's okay. Um, from MediaTek, because we have some MediaTek news to talk about. And I have TK Bay of XDA Developers oh, on the other side. It, it won't be stereo for you guys, so it doesn't matter which side. Anyway, so I want to start with a big announcement that we had yesterday mm-hmm. of the new 5G SOC. Sure. What can you tell us? We're very excited. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit, we teased it, I guess, earlier this year, but we're now starting to talk in a lot more detail about the first MediaTek 5G SOC. Um, we're very excited, obviously. Um, I think we're all going to see a big wave of 5G in 2020. I think that's what everybody in the industry is expecting at this point. So MediaTek's very excited that all of the investments we've been making over the past couple of years are really come, coming to fruition now. So the first SOC we've announced, we've given out the details. It's going to ramp uh, towards the end of this year, and we're going to see it in phones early 2020. So in terms of like, you know, the markets place, obviously five, the fact that this has 5G integrated and built in is a big deal. But let's look at the SOC by itself. Sure. How do you place that in the, you know, kind of scale yeah. of performance? Uh, I mean, it's hard because, you know, obviously you have the P90 at the mm-hmm. upper scale. Yeah. Does it compare favorably to that? Is it faster? Is it slower? Is it on purpose specifically designed a certain way to meet a certain market? Sure. Um, these kind of things. Sure, sure. I think what you'll find is it's another big step up for MediaTek when you look at the features. So what we're introducing is a highly integrated 7 nanometer SOC. Mm-hmm. It's got the high-end application processing capability and a, seven, a 5G modem integrated into the same single chip, right? It competes with two chip solutions um, from some of our competitors that are not as, as integrated. On top of that, we've really taken, I think, a step forward and step up into the higher tier um, capabilities with the new ARM Cortex-A77 CPU. We've got a four plus four big little configuration with A77s and A55s. We've got a nine core um, GPU, um, the new ARM Cortex, or the new ARM G77 GPU. And we've also done a couple of really cool things with an enhanced AI block that's going to give us much, much more AI acceleration, like double the performance of what we've had on, on previous devices. We're introducing 4K video capability, 60 frames per second, including the new AV1 codec that's going to become popular. So I think what you'll see is on the camera, on the video, on the AI, on the CPU, on the GPU, we're really positioning this again kind of in the flagship high, high end space. Right. So, I mean, TK, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this. Like, how how would this compare? And you guys could both chime in. How would this compare to the P90 then? Is it still higher than that? Definitely. Or, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, definitely. this is really top of the line. Definitely. So th- this is, so it sounds like it's more closely, you know, hitting around with the 855, some of the higher end other SOCs that we see on the market right now. I think the the fact that it has a built-in modem i think that's very exciting to have mm-hmm. that solution because you're not only just having to provide the soc but you're also providing the connectivity for it exactly. what i what i was wor- what i was wondering when i was looking at some of the announcements that i didn't hear it how's the coverage as far as global uh, support is it going to work in multiple markets or is it specifically made like let's say for the asian market there'll be a different bearing for the us or yep. yep good question um no we have a truly global 5g modem mm-hmm. built into this 
Now we've we've been very clear that our five um, G solutions are very much focused on optimizing for the sub six gigahertz flavors of five G, which okay. you know we believe are going to be the mainstream five G volume drivers for the next couple of years. Um, but in terms of the capability, the five G modem has built in support for non-standalone and standalone uh, flavors of 5G. So it can have future proof for when the network operators migrate to a full standalone architecture for mm -hmm. 5G. In terms of the RF coverage, we've got band coverage for the FDD bands and the TDD bands. So for China, it'll be TDD. You know, again, in the US and Europe, it's going to be a mix of FDD and TDD bands. Um, so we've got coverage for all of that. And we'll cover all of the bands from like the 600 megahertz bands that you have in the US, you know, all the way up to the sub six, three, four, five gigahertz bands that, that people will be using in other markets. So sounds, it'll truly be global. Yeah, sound, which sounds pretty much in alignment with what we've seen with, with T-Mobile and Sprint, which I think is, that's where they're kind of focusing their big their big push with, the, uh, with 5G, at least in the markets right now. Exactly. Sprint already, at least, uh, but depending on how the merger goes through. Exactly. So exactly. yeah, no, they're very exciting. And, and the fact that we have a much more stronger GPU as well for gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I, it's definitely something that I can't wait to try something that has that SOC in it. I realize you know we have to wait till early 2020 to start not looking. Too, at not too much longer. If no, you, no, a few more weeks. <laughs> you're, you're right. Actually, CES is around the corner. If we think about it, the yeah. years. You know, Halloween, Christmas. It's gonna done. come like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, you know, with Halloween a couple of days from now. But either way. I think it's it's definitely very exciting, and I noticed um, in some of the other announcements, the other things that you covered a few weeks ago, um, you we saw some more information about inter, you know your integration with other, yeah, I would say OEMs and mm -hmm. companies. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see you know this type of SOC being in, integrated? I mean, is it just for mobile devices or you know smartphones and so on, or do you see that maybe? transitioning to something else, like uh, maybe IoT or in the home or stuff like that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think the obviously the primary driver for what we've developed and what we're announcing here is for smartphones and, okay. and mobile devices. Right. Although I think when you see the sort of CPU performance, the GPU performance, the you know ability to have an external display, for I, example. I was, you know, was literally, that was what I was about to know, say. That, that, that to me talks external display, play, controller connected via Bluetooth, and playing games. So, can, me, yeah, just. so I, I can imagine other people will take, people will, like the first wave will clearly be smartphones, no question. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine with the kind of level of capability we're delivering with this platform. The fact that it's launching with you know really advanced low power seven nanometer technology from TSMC, I think it's going to have some longevity as a high end platform, and I think we'll see people building creative types of devices with this as well. Now we at, at the event we had recently in um, San Diego, we also were talking a little bit about some of the other things we're going to do with five G. So I think you will see MediaTek launching you know more data centric devices enabling mm -hmm. different categories of, of of solutions for 5g that maybe don't have all of the multimedia gpu cpu capability of, of this particular soc but yeah i think there's a capability that is going to enable some interesting use cases that probably we can't even predict today oh yeah no especially with having it you know again available and, and also with the uh what I, what I loved about it is the fact that there is a dedication to going into the U.S. market yeah. and trying to basically start providing more hardware, things yeah. that people can actually use and benefit from it. So yeah. that, that's why I was really excited about yeah. that. And, and we also, as you noticed in the announcement, we also announced that it supports like 2x2 two two Wi-Fi 6 also into yeah. the yeah. So Bluetooth 5.1. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's quite a bit whole, of stuff, right? Uh, uh, that whole advanced connectivity capability yeah. on the platform from cellular 5G to 2x2 two two 11AX. So it can do some interesting things.
So what else does it bring to the table? How does it compare in terms of, uh, you know, pricing to the existing chips? Mm -hmm. If that's been determined at this point, obviously I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's probably going to be very interesting to your to your customers, which yeah. are the, the phone manufacturers, because MediaTek has always led the pack in terms of value, right? Yeah. yeah. And so obviously you are in a way trying to, you know, pursue that higher end tier. Yeah. And but wouldn't it be great if you managed to pursue that higher end tier with an integrated five G modem? And you still have a really good price to performance ratio, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, the device prices are going to be set by our our customers of course. when they, they yeah, launch their devices. And you know, certainly, this particular SOC, this particular first five G, is definitely higher end than say a lot of the four G products that we've we've announced over the last couple of years. So you'll certainly see a lift um, in the in the price and the the average selling price of that for this particular first device. And I think it will go into higher tier devices with higher price points from from our consumers but at the same time you know we also recognize the mission of mediatek um you know i think we're excited about being this early into the 5g because i think really 2020 is going to be the year that 5g really begins to take off in, in volume yeah. in multiple markets on a global scale so you know right now we're seeing some phones announced by companies like xiaomi mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know mi mix 3 5g comes to mm -hmm. mind that are like 500 right mm -hmm. 600 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. i mean they're not sold in at, at least they might be sold in europe but they're not sold in the us no, yet no not yet uh, because xiaomi doesn't sell in the us so are we talking are you targeting that price point for like i mean obviously your customers are in the sign on price yeah. but yeah. in your you know what you're envisioning when you you kind of give the customer the slide deck you yeah. know you can make a phone that will reach this price point and it's 5g yeah it, you know are you looking for a target number there i or think is it that's i think that's within the range within of what range. we could expect right. Right. i mean i don't think i don't think we're going to see many of the you know above one thousand well, dollars i didn't expect that but i was wondering I if you might even be lower than that like yeah. if you might be able to see phones at 350 400 dollars yeah. with this chip yeah, set. like yeah. more mid-range because of 2020 because yeah. of the proliferation yeah. of sub -6. and i think i think what we'll see is as we go through 2020 you know we will be launching other products and right. we will be leveraging the the maturity that's going to be built into this modem so again the 5g modem all that connectivity solution mm -hmm. all of the interoperability testing that will all be leveraged, but we can bring that capability into chipsets that bring it, you know, into other tiers below that. Um, okay, so, so you will see that expansion as we go through 2020. Because that would be the other thing, obviously, you know, going in and it's specifically only a bit for the higher end yeah. will always get you that, that you'll get that big impact there, but there's always going to be that market for that. You know, I think they mentioned it even at the event back in San, uh, in San Diego that between 250 to 500, yeah. the, that, that mid range price point, which is picking up. Yes. It's a smaller segment, but it's picking up. And I realize um, that's generally the, the, you know, the majority of people that when they start looking for devices, if they're not looking for like low end budget, like below 250, Getting 5G at that level, I think, yeah. would, would just expand and, of course, help MediaTek just get into more hands. Yeah. That's yeah. reality. And we, we yeah. see that as very accessible and very achievable, I think, as we go through 2020 into 2021, that I think that space for 5G uh, becomes very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, I, th I think the battle right now in terms of what I call premium flagships is being fought in the five to six hundred dollar range. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is obviously the pie in the sky thousand right. dollar flagships and then we bond that with polling phones. But I think that most people that I look at my audience, you know, a lot of my listeners are from India. Mm -hmm. They're price sensitive yep. right now. They're very happy that Xiaomi sells four hundred dollar flagships. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, like the I don't know, the Mi 9T Pro, right, for example. Well, I was gonna or, say the, well, the, the new the CC9 Note Pro from well, Xiaomi. Well, we just did a video uh, not that long ago on the Note 8 Pro. 
There you go. Yeah, no, it, it's a great Pretty phone. Cool. The chipset performs really, really nice. And so obviously, you know, if we can add 5G to that conversation, yeah. I mean, in India, it might not matter as much because they might not have deployed the networks yet, but it's only a matter of time, number one. And number two, you got the rest of the world, right? Yeah. You got European is also, mm-hmm. you know, some parts of Europe are very price sensitive. And so, and then you have, you know, the rest of the world. Exactly. So um, in the US, I think it's going to make a difference, especially for the sub six uh, carriers like Sprint and Timo, yeah. who are going to want to have phones that are more accessible yeah. for that maybe their prepaid customers or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't see 5G going to prepaid 2020, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens shortly after that, because Probably. if, if you yeah. enable that with your chip, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. We still have to wait to see how the merger unfolds. Uh-huh. Apple, yeah, yes. the, the new T-Mobile yeah. kind of thing. And that will, that will have an impact on the spectrum position. It, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, I think they're, they're banking a lot on what Sprint's existing infrastructure is, because that's where, where the sub-600 is. Most, eight, most of T-Mobile right now, at least in the LA area, is almost non-existent. It's like in downtown LA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Sprint's actually been sectioned off, and I actually had a, an opportunity to cover what their launch event for their 5G, which operated extremely well, like 300, 400 megabits down. Yeah. Wow. And nice. it was in a building, not line of sight. Right, right. I didn't have to I see mean, the tower. I mean, millimeter wave so, is a whole different story here. No, yeah, um, it, yeah. And that's, you know, that's where you get into the line of sight stuff. Um, so I'm wondering in terms of, of you know, the devices we can expect, um, like you, you mentioned that there are more products coming. I know you can't yeah. speak to future products, not where I'm, fi- I'm not fishing. I'm just kind of wondering like how, like, where do you see the industry being in a year? Mm. Because, like, you know, there's millimeter wave and you haven't announced anything there. And I'm not expecting you to talk about that. Again, I don't want you to announce anything. I'm just more like, in general, where do you see the industry? Because I think the lot of 5G is going to be sub-6 sure. worldwide. Yeah. And obviously, you're well positioned with this new chip. But I also think that the glut of these 5G phones by 2021 is going to be in the 300 price point, right? Yeah, no, I think, I think if you look at not just our view, but I think a lot of the market analysts' view over the last couple of months, they've really been starting to increase their overall global view of smartphones, 5G smartphones for 2020 and beyond. I think the forecasts have continued to, to creep up. One big factor in that, I think, is China. And China is really expected. I think we saw that they just announced right. the commercial networks at the end of October. I think... We're going to see a large infrastructure build out in, in China. We're going to see fast adoption of phones in and China. And we know they know how to build infrastructure. And we know so, how, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be insane. And I think what, what we see that that's going to drive is an SOC landscape. But more importantly, I think um, an ecosystem around those sub six um, design points. Right. Whether it's the RF components, the memories, the displays, the. Yeah, yeah. And that whole ecosystem, I think, as volumes ramp in China, particularly with the Chinese OEMs, as that ecosystem develops, there's going to be an economy of scale that's going to build around that sub six design point. Leveraging the modem, leveraging the capabilities, you know, reducing some of the CPU, GPU, AI, multimedia features, you can expect SOCs that will start tearing down. So I agree with you. I think as we exit 2020 and we look into 2021, we're going to see a range of, of devices yeah. that have that 5G capability. It's exciting. And I think it's, I think it's going to move faster than people think, because I think what will happen at some point then is above certain price points that capability is just going to become like a hygiene factor and and then phones will be shipping into markets before you know people will be buying 
400 $500 phones with 5G enabled, maybe before there's 5G networks in those countries, perhaps, and then they'll be ready and future-proof. And I think that's how we, well, yeah, I, I can I think, see the, I think that's going to be the goal, because the other thing that a lot of people also realize is there's still a very strong 4G LTE network that is there. So yeah. even if you do, like, as you said, get a device that has 5G, you're still able to rely on the fastest connection that you can get on LTE still in that area. Yes. And then jump over to 5G where, where everyone does get deployed. Or whatever. No, exactly. Yeah. It's like future-proofing your device if it's not there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's always yeah. going to be a benefit. And it's scalable. That was the other thing that I saw during uh, some of the stuff that came out. It's scalable as far as like how much RAM you have, how much the megapixels on the camera. So we, we, we will see different flavors of it. Yeah, different yeah. Doing different things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and that's great. So. You also, in, during the presentation in San Diego and in the materials you've shared with us since then, you talked about uh, dual 5G, dual mm -hmm. SIM, dual 5G, yeah. right? And a dual carrier. Was that for Wi-Fi or was that for 5G as well? I think the dual SIM we talked about was for dual SIM 5G. So you right. could, in theory, have... This is two, the first chip that does exactly, that, right? The, On the market. Exactly, right. exactly. Mm -hmm. And we've always, I think, led the dual SIM yeah. migration from generation to generation. So the first with dual 3G, the first with dual 4G, the first with dual Volti. So now we're the first with dual 5G. So, <laughs> um, Nice. We're enabling enabling consumers to obviously have you know two SIMs, two five G networks um, on the same device. Right. Um, the dual carrier is also a reference to our five G solution because right. we're also very proud that we've started with a really full implementation of five um, G. So we support on the integrated SOCs um, two five G carriers. Right. So you can, in theory, aggregate two 100 megahertz 5G carriers, which allows you to get, you know, the f if you have the spectrum as a carrier, can get you up to like 4.6, 4.7 gigabits per second, theoretical. Wow. Theoretical. Theoretical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on sub-6, that's impressive. Yeah, exactly. So, and wow. that's the maximum, but, you yeah. know, two carriers, 100 megahertz, 4x4 MIMO, all of the features, of course. So that's like a theoretical peak, obviously. Um, but that's quite, quite impressive when you compare it to sort of where we are with 4G networks mm -hmm. in many parts of the world today, right? Um, Anything stand out? And I mean, we talk about video performance, mm -hmm. 60 frames per second, 4K. Anything standing out in terms of image processing? ISPs imaging is really becoming super critical at any price point right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Like it seems to excel. Every time I think it's going to plateau again, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's certainly driving a lot of innovation in these platforms. And I think more and more we're dedicating more silicon area to that elements of the user experience because I think it is yeah. very, very important for, for consumers. And AI as well. And they, and they go very much together, together I think. So Absolutely. I think what we've, what we've seen really is as the camera capability and the raw image processing capability, of course, we're doing more in the ISP for noise reduction, you know, enhancements there. But I think very much, as you said, coupled with the AI to do those interesting use cases that people are, are benefiting from. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great time. I, I feel like you know, this year I can't really recommend anybody spending money on a 5G phone, but I think it's going to change very quickly next year. In 2020, year. I think you're and right. And I think you're you're part of that story. I right? hope so. In a yeah, huge I think we are. Way. So I that's I are. think really exciting. In, in the US, I think yes, yeah, 2019 was very very early. I think what we had what OnePlus 7T, and we had um, 
I want to. It was like literally maybe the seven T was not the seven T. Sorry, the seven Pro. Seven Pro. Yeah, yeah. So Sprint had one. Sprint. Yeah. yeah no. That was. And that we have the, the Samsung ones, and yeah. they're all Snapdragon based. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's very early, and I think that's the the beauty of it. It's yeah. getting in there when it's still early. Exactly. It's not like we're flooded with five G phones already. No. Yeah. No, but I mean, when people are going to want the floodgates to open, you know, manufacturers are going to be able to open the floodgates, yeah. which and is really cool. In 2020, I think you're going to see an explosion in the number of SKUs and the number of devices, and you're going to see an explosion in the volumes compared to 2019. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a big step function. So any final things you want to share about this uh, uh, chipset and more importantly, or SOC, because it's really mm -hmm. what it is, uh, and, and anything else that were covered at, uh, in San Diego that I think that would be really beneficial to the audience right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'll summarize by saying, um, you know, for me to take this is a very exciting time, right? Yeah. I mean, um, our CEO was at the event in San yep. Diego, as you know, you were there with us. And I think he talked a lot about, you know, seeing the the return on the investments that we've been making over the last couple of years. Like we decided to invest very early in, in 5G. We decided, you know, we wanted to be in that leading wave of 5G solution providers and continue to be an industry leader in that 5G space going forward. So I think we're very happy that we're executing on that promise and the, you know, the chip has come out, it's ready to go to production and, and we're going to see a lots of good things, I think, come from, come from that next year. The other part of what we talked a lot about at, at San Diego, um, was, um, I think the other breadth of businesses that MediaTek is in. I think we're very well known yeah. for mobile. Yeah, it's true. Um, cause we've probably talked a lot about mobile over the years. Uh, you and I have talked That's a lot right. about mobile yeah, over the yeah, years. Yeah. Um, but I think what we wanted to share with, with the audience in, in San Diego was also, you know, we're in a very strong platform provider in home, yeah, all of yeah. the smart home, smart TV, connected home, voice assistant devices, Wi-Fi routers, et cetera, et cetera. That, that was definitely an awakening moment for me during that event. Yeah. Just the, the plethora of devices that are already in my home yes. that I didn't realize yes. were, you know, powered by, you know, I like to call them MTK. I just yeah, you know, I it's like historical. It. Well, TK Bay MTK. Okay, so I, well, I like MTK. Part of the family. I'm very much. And um, so I was very surprised. Yeah, I mean, even with OnePlus's TV, we had, yeah. uh, as you said, in the home. It's and it seems like it's a very big, uh, very big medium that you guys are definitely very much invested around oh, yeah. for quite some time. But people don't think about it. That was that was. I mean, you know, our name is Media Tech, right? right so yeah, our yeah. core really does go back to media. Yeah, I mean, I had Jerry Yu. Of your from your yep. team on the podcast, uh, and Kevin yep. was on it as well last November when you, you took us Taiwan. out yep. to Taiwan, and that was my awakening, TK, okay. because you got it this time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was like, all the you know, I mean, all the Amazon stuff, I mean, a lot of it, yeah, is uh, the actual products sold by Amazon, whether they be the tablets or the, the Fire Echo. TV mm -hmm. yeah, sticks yeah. or all the Echo devices. I mean, it's all MediaTek, and like. That's so many devices. There's so many more MediaTek devices in people's homes right now, I think, than phones, you know, and in in MediaTek phones, which, are, which is, yeah. At least in, here in the West. TVs, yeah. Wi-Fi routers, Blu-ray, DVD players, yeah. devices, Linksys, devices. Yeah, that was also another one. Like yeah, Linksys routers, right? yeah, 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 totally. Um, so that's exciting. It is Well, exciting. yeah, and then thanks for reminding the audience of this. I think that, uh, I mean, those of the people who have been listening to the show for a while, obviously, because they heard this interview with Jerry, know about this. But I think there's a lot of newcomers that are going to be like, oh, I had no idea. You know, like the Peloton bike. That's the one I didn't know about. That was, this yeah, was yeah, a new like, one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 Uh, so I'd like to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, that's you know, thanks for sharing that, that the details with us, Finbar. I, I think this is going to be very exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the 5G revolution actually really finally happens. Whether it brings us the applications or not right away, you know, 4G took a while before it kicked in yeah. and we don't know what it's going to be. If, I mean, there is what we, it, they will right, what, there is what <laughs> sure. we expect and then there's what happens, which is all completely different. Exactly. But I think 5G is going to enable a lot of really cool things and it's going to be a journey for many, many years as yeah. this rolls out with, you know, sub six and then millimeter wave and all of the extra capacity and data that that's going to bring. It's going to, it's going to take some time. Great. Well, thanks for being part of that revolution with MediaTek. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Miriam. Uh, we'll have you on again at some point. I hope so. Awesome. Thank you. And we're back in the studio with some news for this week that I forgot to squeeze into the show. Uh, namely that Honor launched two phones this week, the Honor V30 Pro and the Honor V30. The Honor V30 Pro is pretty much a flagship type device, 6.57 inch IPS display of 1080p resolution, side mounted fingerprint reader, Kirin 990, which is uh, Huawei's highest end silicon right now, 7 nanometer, uh, with built-in 5G as well. This has either 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage, or 8 gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of storage. Um, a 4100 milliamp hour battery with 40 watt fast charging and wireless fast charging at 27 watts. And of course, cameras are really interesting. This is almost a dead ringer of the P30 camera with a 40 megapixel f over 1.6 main sensor that has OIS, actually slightly better than a P30 since it doesn't have OIS on the main sensor. Uh, three times optical zoom on the telephoto, which is an eight megapixel f over 2.4 with OIS and a 12 megapixel, so slightly lesser resolution, uh, f over 2.2 ultra wide with autofocus, which means it can do macro shots so that's almost the same as kind of a medley between the p30 pro and p30 um, this is also that 40 megapixel sensor that uses red yellow yellow blue pixels um, so that's kind of interesting uh, and so uh, yeah that's essentially the device 550 dollars us roughly for this phone really impressive specs really impressive overall obviously this phone is not going to make it to the us or to europe at this point uh, since it doesn't have gms but you never know things might change now the v30 is a little detuned from there it's got basically the same specs other than the camera has no OIS on the main sensor and has a smaller 8 megapixel ultra wide without autofocus, so no macro shots. It also lacks the wireless charging, but it does have a slightly larger battery at 4200 milliamp hour, and it's $25 less in its 8 gigabyte, 128 gigabyte configuration. There's also a 6 gigabyte, 128 gigabyte configuration for about $370, which is actually a pretty damn good deal. Anyway, that's it for the news that I forgot to squeeze into the show. So now back to San Diego. So TK, thoughts on all this? Are you excited? I think this is I'm exciting. I'm very excited about the way the so the, the the way they're implementing it, the way they're bringing it in is changing the way I've ever I've always thought of and MediaTek or MTK. Right, we've always looked at the SOCs in the past that they've always been more budget friendly. Their their performance has always been kind of geared to that, that that market, and they're they're literally jumping up to the 855, you know, and and hopefully we'll see, you know, obviously with the 865, what comes up next year. But my thing would be is they're definitely stepping it up. They're going mainstream. I mean, you know, 
This Qualcomm did announce an integrated SOC as well with 5G, but uh, I think like we haven't really heard too much since then. It's it's just and, the presence and, right now. And they're so stuck. I mean, not st- stuck is the wrong word. They're so invested in millimeter that it complicates things significantly. It does. It like does. I'm not. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Qualcomm will surprise us at the summit next week or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and why with a chip that it does just does sub six. Oh man, that would be and it's priced be- accordingly. So it, it depends on what, so that's the thing, right? You, you can only know what's already out there. And I think that's where the, the approach that, that MediaTek has taken in. That's why I think we saw a lot of some of the benchmarks with the numbers that we looked at. They're kind of placing themselves in that market around what, what's already out. But for them to try to get into the US market, and I think, did, did I remember correctly, like Q1, Q2, so hopefully we'll start seeing some hardware like with the new with the new SOC. Yeah, yeah. Because they're already in the market. That was the other thing. Yeah. Um, like as 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 said, you know, being in the Alexa ecosystem, being on the Fire Sticks, uh, being in a Peloton bike that people you know that is selling a lot of hotcakes for with the price point that it is. I'm really excited. I want to see how it performs. I my main issue or my main concern would be is how this battery life is going to be, especially since this is Gen One, right? How does it work with battery? That's something we saw when we were running it on, even with Qualcomm with their with their. Uh, I mean, that's the big the big unknown right now. For, yeah, for until we have 5G, devices to actually start. But looking I feel at, like yeah. this seems to me almost like, you know, I get the feeling that if you look at the modems pe- that have been released already, mm-hmm. I think this is our, this is Gen three of sub six. Gen so three. Think about yeah, because here's the thing: the thing that. All these companies like MediaTek and Qualcomm and even the people doing the base stations like mm-hmm. Nokia's and the Huawei's of the world yeah. have been doing really well this time around is they've done the first gen as a non-release. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like they've really yeah, yeah. proven the technology and the network mm-hmm. and put it out there and tried it out. Way more. I feel like 4G, they dumped the Thunderbolt on us, remember? Mm-hmm. The HTC Thunderbolt. And it was just on Verizon. It was just a mess. Yeah, like, I mean, there was nothing wrong per se with the phone. It was a great HTC phone for a time, for the time. But you could really tell that you were guinea- being a guinea pig. It, well, that's what it sometimes you have and, to... And I think that the stories about millimeter wave 5G that we've seen so far, like Joanna Stern did that thing, you mm-hmm. know, where she walked like and she had the tent mm-hmm. set up. Like, I think there's a bit of that happening, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's really been doing, other than maybe Sasha at PC Mag, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's been doing any hard, solid work on quantifying sub six, primarily because we don't really have much sub six in the US yet. Well, it's, so that's the thing. So the only time I've ever been able to test it was on Sprint. So I actually have a uh, OnePlus 7, 7 Pro uh, 5G on Sprint, and it, it it doesn't. How do I explain? It works when when you have a good signal, it works great. But it, there, it still suffers from you move from one side of the block to the other, and it's not line of sight. I realize it's not the same thing yeah. as millimeter, but you still suffer from the signal. So it still ha- the infrastructure still has to be built up, and I'm yeah. hoping with the merger and hopefully when we see the actual plan of how they're going to roll it out that will get better support for it. And I think that's really what it is. They need more antennas. Uh, the antennas are much smaller. They're able to put them in much smaller areas, repeaters. Uh, Sprint's implementation with, as you were mentioning with Nokia, because um, a buddy of mine, when we, he and I went over and Nokia was there during their event when they were launching uh-huh. it, they're very small. They're easy to implement. They don't need to have these massive panels yeah, right. that what we used to. So, yep. And they're able to basically swap them and put multiple units instead of what we used to have. So. I think it it's going to have to be on both sides. And so I think, you know, there's still a bit of that first, you know, 
first generation of the technology going oh, yeah, on yeah, with yeah, the definitely. deployment. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like the chipsets are more mature this time around. I, I agree. And, I didn't and, think and, about the fact that you're and right. And I yeah, think the, that that's kind of why in my head, I think that like the stuff that was announced at MWC is Gen 2. Okay. The stuff we saw starting with the 5G mod last summer in Chicago is Gen 1. Okay. And if you know that, that's that's basically that's a science experiment, right? Well, the 5G mod. You, I mean, have, you have to... <laughs> They announced, I know, it was like, a, so, and you had to wait so, until January. So now you think so. about it, you look at this timeline now, here we are in the fall, winter, close to winter of 2019, 2020. You wouldn't know. We have MWC and CS right around the corner. Pretty, yeah. yeah. We're, I think we're seeing, this is Gen 3, and I think that MediaTek is launching a Gen 3 modem here. My hope is that it's been optimized enough to, to not sacrifice battery, because Gen 2 still sucked up a lot of battery. Oh yeah, Gen 2 is still pretty bad. Yeah, so my, my um, hope is that they find a good a balance, big enough battery, uh, and per, and be able to be able to power all of the stuff. Because 7 nanometer does great, but it's the modem that's going to kill it. Because yeah. it's, it's when you don't have a strong enough signal, your phone keeps searching for signal, it's running double time. It's, it's yeah. like you want to be in that perfect signal area so that your phone actually has longer battery. So that was, my, that was one thing I didn't hear from them, but I guess that would be something we have to wait to see how the actual OEMs put the, uh, the SOC in there, right? Because they're the ones who have to put the battery. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping think we see some, I want, I want to see some phones that are, you know, like, really doing some cool stuff in other ways that incorporate this chipset, yeah, you know? Yeah. Rather than like, you know, right now you look at like, yeah, there's like a proto design for each price category. Mm-hmm. And you know, MediaTek kind of only appears up to a certain point and it doesn't continue beyond that. Okay. Whereas Qualcomm is kind of everywhere. Well, and, yeah. and, and I kind of want to see, and then there's a bit of Exynos in there that's dying out. Exynos is have, yeah. It's but what I want to see is I want to be able to say like, you know, Here's a $650 phone with this chip that also has like, you know, Penta camera in the back and so, like, but that's the you thing. know, I think that's, that's the reality. I think they can actually hit that market. I, I hope so. Because that's the, that's, that's where they've been succeeded in the past. That's why I'm excited about this. But like I said, we have to just see again, how, how does Sprint, how does at and well, AT&T, how does Sprint and T-Mobile handle it? How does the OEMs handle it? And yeah. how do, what do we see on the market? And and it's a tough sell in the US because people get their phones subsidized and don't care that the phone is $1,000. So then they're going to go, I mean, they're starting to care maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think it's it's the... It's still a little tricky, right? Yeah. Because it, it, look, we both love the OnePlus 7T. Right now, that's one of the phones you want to recommend the most, the, right? One of the best. Agree? Absolutely. Hands down. Well, hands down. how many... Non-early adopter tech savvy folk, do you know, have bought a OnePlus 7T? How many people have you randomly met that have bought a 7T or a 6T at a T-Mobile store, not knowing anything about it? So I'm, I'm going to be very honest. I know only he didn't buy it at the store, but I only know one person that actually has and bought a 6T and upgraded from a 5T. Well, so they were already in the ecosystem. They were already in the ecosystem. Like, but it's hard to sell it. My, my, my I'm thing. not sure that's happening much. Like I am very excited to see OnePlus's partnership with Timo. I love and, OnePlus and Sprint, and but I, I'm and not sure that they they're selling that many phones through walk-ins. I think the phones they're selling are to people who like listen to our shows and, and watch and our exactly. thing and cannot afford the unlocked version full price. That's what. And they want to get the deal, and they walk because Timo has the deal. Well, not only that, Timo also announced that they're going to get the McLaren edition. Yes. Pro. So I'm actually super excited about that. Let's talk about that real quickly yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is a while ago now, about a month ago. Yeah. But I am not very happy, as you know, with the Pixel 4. I mean, 
I shouldn't say that because the camera still blows me away. Even though it's missing that ultra wide, I'm sorry, Google, that ultra wide is missing. We're mi I yeah. could have taken much better photos tonight at sunset if I had had an ultra wide. Just deal with it. But I'm thinking that I need a phone right now that will work with my banking apps and my other bio authentication apps mm, yeah. because I don't see the banks caring and updating through this one phone that exists or that, that set of that's phones using, yeah. that's using the new APIs. They're not going to care. And Google's going to supposedly force it to happen. But how they, how they enforce that? It's not going to happen. I agree. Right? It's going to be, it, it's a tough, it's a so tough. So I'm thinking that until this matures a little more, maybe I can switch to a Pixel 4 permanently because I'm still my 3XL right now. Mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, around the time of after Mobile Congress or something. Like around the um, 4XL. Yeah, and then until, and in the meantime, I can try this 5G world mm -hmm. by getting the McLaren um, Plus 70 Pro 5G I'm edition. I'm patiently waiting for the McLaren edition. Um, I, I was very much a big fan of the McLaren edition 6T last year. That's when they started you know, showing us the faster charging. So I am, it was a surprise and it was, I'm just, I can't wait. I just want them to say when. That's what I'm well, imagining. Let's, let's see. I have a feeling it's going to coincide with that December 6th rollout that they've announced. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty and sure it's as, as they formed. And maybe as we're speaking right now on November 27th, we may have the devices. We can't tell you though. We, so, or we, we may or may not. That's the problem. Exactly. So the point is that I'm excited about that phone yeah. because it might be my first time that I switch to a non-Pixel Nexus phone as my daily driver, at least for some time. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'll stick. Maybe I'll say, oh, forget it. I'm not going back to the Pixel 4. But I mean, I like the Pixel 4 a lot. There's it's just the prices. Like there's so many things wrong. I don't want to go into that because we've had so much coverage of that on the show. What I want to talk about is a phone that came out in... Um, was announced in the summer. We finally got our review and it's in September. Well, and that, remember, that was there was actually a precursor to that back at CES. Correct. We all saw and that And we one. covered that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Nubia X, X. was it? Yeah. yeah. So X was at CES. So, so the Z20, Nubia Z20 we were talking about. So yeah. we covered that on the show a little bit, but I feel like we didn't go in depth. And when you and I were planning the show, we were like, oh, hey, let's talk about that phone a little more. Yeah, it, it's a very, like there's no other phone like it on the market right now. And it has a unique set of characteristics that you wouldn't even think that it, you know, it's like, it's powerful. It has, yeah. It the price is really, the specs for the price are really good. Yeah. And then on top of that, it threw a second 5.1 inch 10, uh, 720p yeah, rear OLED display. Always uh, on display on both ends, dual fingerprint sensors. I know. That was like, when, when I saw it, when I first unboxed it, I'm like, Two sensors, that doesn't make sense. But I mean, it's on you, the edge, right? So it, it is, but, but when you know, use it, it so yeah, it's it on, works it's, really well. It's on the side, so if you think of it, it's like it's a side fingerprint sensor, but the beauty of it, if you if you program it with either right-handed or left-handed mode, whenever you hold the phone, you put your fingerprint sensor, or your fingerprint there, it launches or it turns on that display. Correct. It becomes intuitive. If you don't want to use too much power, you flip on the 720. If you want to use the full, you know, blast everything, just turn on the main display. And very unique. Very, I, I like the, I like the, I like how they're implementing it. Um, I'm not sure there's a lot of a lot of people that are jumping to get it. That's why. Oh, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's Nubia. It's an unknown brand in the U.S. The it's, price is right. The specs are right. Exactly. The camera is really decent. I was pretty surprised. I expected it to be meh, and it's better than meh. It's almost good. What I don't understand, though, which forever. Okay, so for for devices that use one set of sensors as their main sensors. You should give me the best experience with those sensors in whatever mode I'm using. Right. Why switch it to 1080p 
So that, that was my only gripe about the phone, okay? I, I love the fact that I can do 4K60 on the back, but the moment I put it in selfie mode or front-facing, right? Yeah, it goes to 1080. It goes to 1080p. Like, and you know what else it does? It turns on beautification. Like, why? Like, it, it, why doesn't it keep the settings from the normal mode? It's, that's, that's the reason why people would love to have the main sensor. Otherwise, you're giving me you're emulating what the front facing and you can manually override it but why does it always reset itself that so and, there, and so i've taken stuff. a few selfies with that phone where i'm looking completely unreal because the beauty mode is kicked in again because i forgot to switch it off, off. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when i was at uh when i was at uh the google event mm -hmm. fisher and i and uh who was was that nick gray okay. were in that photo with me we did a wide angle selfie with mm -hmm. the ultra wide yeah, from yeah. the z20 and it, we forgot to turn beauty off and we all look like you know Gorgeous. like <laughs> you, you have a beard you know that michael has a beard yeah, and you yeah. know that like there's it a lot of detail these, in there yeah, yeah, and starts... it's just like it was just like gone all the detail anyway so that's that's one of the issues so there's some software things they could improve yeah i also feel that i would love a mode where they kind of knows from gravity which way you're holding it no it, matter which fingers you use no matter how you do I, it i want to say there is an automatic but it doesn't seem to work very reliably no, it was so the the software needed a little bit of work i i so Newbie, as you probably as as you're aware, also develops or makes the Red Magic devices. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of the Red Magic remnants in the uh, in the gaming mode. Like if you turn on gaming mode, yeah, it's it true, has triggers, right? right? It I says you configure the triggers. I'm like, okay, what triggers? Uh, <laughs> code extra, delete here. So yeah, I, I I like the implementation. I love what they did from what we saw with the with these Nubia the the X model because I think that one was. I felt like it was never going to come to the US, it was no. never going to work. They were and very clear about that. So yeah, it, but, I, but I wanted to see, like, you see the tech, it was it, he was at CES, right? I mean, it's magical that you can use the main camera for selfies, number one, that when you want to take a picture of someone else, they can preview the photo on the rear screen. The a, there's a mode to turn that on. Stuff like that is really cool. Um, but I feel like, you know, this is the same with other, with the Red Magic, like how often, like you look, they did the 3 and then the 3S, yeah. like literally two months later with an 855 Plus. It, it's, like it's yeah. abandonware. You know they're not going to update these phones after a year or two. You know, right? I, and I think it's, the 3S is mostly for older generation for devices. Somebody that's had, let's say, an earlier version of the yeah, Magic, yeah. Or they just wanted to get. But I doubt they're going to get updated. And that's the other thing, right? It's like. I, mm. it, with the unit that I had with the 3S, haven't received one update on the Z20, received one we update? received one yeah I, but it was a manual update right me. and i think the other problem with that is that you know there, there might be updates because there's like it's new and they're real they have a lot of bug fixes but what happens when android goes to 11 or they hasn't received 10 yet so, no no so I what happens when it gets 10 and will it get 10 and like all these questions so i mean on one hand the price is right the features are cool it's mm -hmm. pretty much a flagship the specs are fantastic Battery life is pretty decent it's considering pretty, it has two displays. Because it's all, yeah, on both sides. There's other boneheaded decisions in there that are like, oh, let's have the default uh, eye, you know, mode turned on for the rear screen. But like that, that weird yellowish, and, and, I thought that was a coating on the glass. That was exactly what I said. It, I had to dig through a million menus to figure out that they had turned on this, this night mode, basically, where, where it, everything is some, yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I for, for me, and I, I emailed them and I said, why is it yellow by default? They're like, 
we feel that's the right thing to do. That way people can have a night mode screen ready to go anytime they but want. Tell us it's a night mode screen. And Don't like, make it so like we're going, like something is wrong. Yeah. And then like you can change it and say, yeah, I, it, it, I've been playing with every phone since 2005 and it took me several days to figure that out. Okay. Like, so they must have, they must have heard your, uh, your concerns. Because by the time I got the email or I got the announcement from it was in the email for me, it says, Oh, by the way, the back display has this <laughs> setting on. And then I kind I read it and I forgot about it. And I was doing the unboxing. I was like, that display looks off. So I, I went back to the email like, oh yeah, setting is on. So I mean, I did my unboxing video and I, I was like, whoa, something's wrong with that rear display. It, it's, it's and a, that's why they pinged me. They were like, well, we looked at your video. Do you know you can change that? I'm like, yeah, I figured it out three days later. After but the video before my there. video was done, I didn't figure it out. And that got published with that stuff because I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. You just need to tell. And also, why is it a default mode? That's what I don't know. If, it, if, it, if you are going to make it as default, put it as part of the setup process when you're turning it on, right? Right. Do you want the that onboarding? On? Yeah. Exactly. Put that, that, you, you don't turn it like beauty, beauty mode. Give us the option to turn it off and stick to it. Remember the setting. So I think there is some software optimizations that they can do. I just, it's like historically though, even with the three, the, the Red Magic 3. Yeah. Not one, like it, it, what you get, it, it's it's a, uh, they need some work. That's the best way to and, it. And they do. But I think that if you're, you know, a listener and you're looking for something really unique that mm -hmm. doesn't suck, that reasonably is flagship priced. grade, yeah, reasonably exactly. priced, exactly. and you're gonna get rid of it in six months anyway and sell it and get maybe, you know, half or 65, 70% of your money back. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth trying out. Like if you're not too stickly, sticky about the, the the updates. Also, it's pretty much pure Android. It's pretty clean. There are a few little things, but. I think they did a good job with giving you some benefits um, their ringtones are a little bit something that I would probably oh, want to change. I, you know, I never turn on ringtones on any phone, oh, so I have no, no idea. Yeah, yeah. The notification one is kind of like a little bit, it's almost like the Red Magic one, but overall, I think for the for the price point and the features, I think it's a great buy. Uh, if you're wanting to get something that is just going to be basically giving the latest what you can get from like Snapdragon internal storage and of course, dual display and always on display on both. Yeah, That's, I mean, be. it's interesting actually because it has some features that are like literally inherited from the Grand Magics. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the Red Magic has the LED in the back that that like the LED strip that can be animated. They have an equivalent of that for the back display in the modes, in the settings. Oh, I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, okay. they, they emulate, they emulate what LED the stuff. Mars, the Red Magic Mars phones are doing with their rear light. Okay. on the rear display of the Z20. See, you've had that phone for, like we've both had that phone for two months and you're learning new things about it. It's, it's exactly like that. That's what the software is like. It's a little, it's a little, yeah, it's, they, they need better organization. So I recommend you take a trip down memory lane or down, down discovery lane mm -hmm. and go through every setting on the phone exactly. or every app that they supply because you'll be blown away at how weird and this stuff is. Oh, that it, is. It is different. That, um, that, for sure. that would actually be a nice thumbnail. Yeah, yeah just to show the phone there. Um, do you want to talk about the Huawei FreeBuds 3? So the FreeBuds 3, I early, early hands-on with it, I barely got it. I think it was like three, two days ago or three days yeah, ago? Yeah, I literally got it three, uh, well, I got it a few days ago, yeah. and I've had a chance to play with it enough to get to at least form, form, you know, form an opinion now. I have, I think, initial impressions. I can probably say from have, so, and I, so I'm using it with the Mate 30 Pro. I'm, I'm assuming you're. Yeah, me yeah. too. So yeah, yeah so it, it's it, there's some optimizations that, that I think was inherent that, that it works better with Android 10 and obviously a basically an MUI based one. Um, I think initial impressions on it, sound wise. 
I think it's not bad. I think they sound pretty damn good they're, with noise reduction turned on. So that was the key. I think some people have made and decisions. You have to adjust this the well, dial. Have to, There's well, a weird dial, which you, you never seem to. It's not just an on-off thing like on the Sony's. No, it's it's like you have a dial, and then you tweak. Everybody's different, and that dial is different for everyone. Totally. It's even different for different situations. Exactly. And yeah. I found that you had to kind of adjust the dial, mm -hmm. and then when you do. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Sounds pretty great. I was very surprised yeah. how well it worked because I, on paper, everything is supposed to be a really, really nice. Yeah. But for, for the fact that they're basically not totally enclosed, they're not in-ear, they're basically, you know, they're basically sitting in your ear. They do a decent job with audio when you're starting to cancel external sound because that was always the issue, right? When you're listening to your music and you're listening to everything outside, you have to bump up the volume. Noise cancellation reduces that factor, so you don't have to go up really high on the volume. So I like that factor. That and you know, I'm surprised. Like when we got briefed a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is weird. They look like normal. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but they do look like normal AirPods." Yeah, gentle. I mean, yeah. right? And yet they're noise canceling because you know. Noise canceling to me means you need to have some sort of seal, like the AirPods Pro. I was going to say, yeah. You know, that were announced recently as well, um, provide, and like the Sony's provide. And so this thing is interesting that it actually succeeds at doing noise cancellation without a, you know, rubber or silicone seal in your ear. And here's the kicker. I tried them on the plane. Now, they're not remotely in the same league as the Sony's no. or like Bose or Sony yeah, There is a certain level of sound leakage. But they right? do surprisingly decent job at noise reduction and noise canceling on an airplane. Yes. And they're so not you sealed. You fine-tuned it, right? You went yeah, yeah, I had to fine-tune it. Gonna say and that. I had to fine-tune at different altitudes, which was really interesting because <laughs> the pressurization was changing. It changes, yes. Exactly. But once the pressurization was stable, it was solid. Yeah. So it was really interesting to me that I had managed to get, I mean, it wasn't enough to, you know, not even in the same league as like, you know, what people use in airplanes normally. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they managed to do a decent job on an airplane was really surprising. And then the sound quality is good. And as you said, you set the volume lower because it's it's better. So you don't have to deal with, you know, the... the, the no, exactly. The, you don't have your ears. That's the main, that's, that was always life. my main issue with yeah. the style of AirPods or headphones because you're, yes, it's great that you can hear the outside, but when you're listening to music, you're having to jack it up. Plus, everybody around you is listening to the same music you're listening to. Right. So it, overall, I think initial impressions with it right now, um, it, it's really nice. I like the form factor. Still don't know the price point. Hopefully, it's going to be reasonable. But, you know, as, as, as a first, well, first noise-canceling earpods or headphones that they've put out, because I had the FreeBuds 2 before, and I was yeah, very impressed with Yeah, didn't you pick those up when we were in, yeah. in Shenzhen? It's when you're in Shenzhen, you get you, you get have to, to pick stuff up. You have to. I know. It, you just you, you um, walk into one of these stores and like it's just tech galore that you know you'll never be able to buy in the U.S. I know. So anyway, I I like them. I think they they sound much better than I expected. I'm you know I'm a picky. I'm a bit of an audiophile, mm -hmm. and that's the thing I was for sure gonna be like. This is not gonna meet my standards, and that's okay. This is not a pan on Huawei because mm -hmm. you know what? I'm really hard to pick. I'm pretty picky, but I'm surprised to say that they're, I think, very well EQ'd out of the box. Oh, yeah. You don't have to tweak them. You do, um, need, to, you do need to get you the need app. To turn on, you need the app, you yeah. need to turn on the noise reduction. And but I've also tried the app with the Pixel 4. I haven't tried them with iPhone yet, but I've tried with the Pixel 4, and okay. honestly, that's also Android 10, but it's not EMUI 10. No, so, and there's it additional for, settings in your uh, in your Bluetooth setting for EMUI Yeah, 10. I saw that. So it's, it's a very 
but it's, other it's than that, DMUI. it just seemed perfectly fine. Honestly, I mean, I didn't test latency because you know they made a big fuss about latency being very low oh, yeah. and no, specifically I, I low with the MUI 10. So, yeah, yeah for me, it's not for gaming me, it was or whatever. Mostly, yeah. I just turned it on trying to listen to how do they sound as music because I usually what I do is I turn on YouTube and I turn off the screen and I just yeah. listen to the videos like long form. So it's exactly. usually, yeah. I, and then, you know, the charging case isn't too big. It has wireless charging. It has a nice little pairing button. It took me a while to figure out that there was a pairing button there. Because you can, with, you can almost not see it, right? Right, right. Yeah. because with, with, you know, the flip open pairs perfectly fine with the P30 Pro. But for the Pixel 4, I'm like, ah. And then you, I finally found the button. Well, I just kind of looked around in a little more detailed attention to the case. Well, and also, the, the app also tells you. So if you try to add, yeah. if you install the AI app on a phone that is not an EMUI device, and you try to manually add the uh, the, the buds themselves, it actually does a good job of telling you. It says, go there and there's a button to reset. That's how I found it. I didn't actually look for it because I looked around the case and I couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. No, the, I, I mean, I got, did you get the black ones as well? Yeah. And the, oh my God, fingerprint magnets. I mean, they're pretty bad, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that I found was, uh, you know, the thing so far that I'm like, mm, I'd want them a different color. I think white would be better. Just because it's like the case is disgusting already after like two minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but other than that, I mean, honestly, the noise canceling is great. The sound quality is great. They, they feel comfortable in my ear. And the battery life, obviously, I haven't really played with them long enough. The problem with testing headphones, especially headphones that, you know, can go have good, good stamina like four or five hours, is I really need to like, use them for a while and that hasn't really been happening right now so uh we'll see how that goes um yeah um tell me uh, what are the devices that have really kind of like tickled your fancy in the last little while did you ever get your hands on a chromebook uh the sorry pixelbook the pixelbook go? go oh yeah i use it on the daily it's great we uh, we talked about it a few shows ago uh mm -hmm. and i really like it i'm still using it a lot so yeah for me the thing about the chromebook uh, the Pixelbook Pixel, Go yeah, yeah. is that I'm a long-time Chromebook user since day one, since the CR48. Yeah. And <laughs> so I've had pretty much every device that Google's made since then. Okay. Uh, including that very first Samsung that they did, like the very first atom-based Samsung, the first non-CR48, oh, the first okay. commercial Chromebook. I, yeah, um, okay. You know, but the point is that I, you know, I've gone from an original Chromebook Pixel to a Chromebook Pixel version 2 to mm -hmm. a Pixelbook and now the Pixelbook Go. And and I feel like it hits, I think the keyboard and the keyboard is probably the best of any super quiet, very like any just, Chromebook I've ever used. Exactly. And there's a lot of good Chromebook keyboards out there. And the speakers, the speakers, and the speakers are incredible. Exactly. The trackpad is very good. Mm -hmm. The display is the thing that I, I haven't seen the 4K display and I don't yes. think I want to spend that kind of money myself mm -hmm. unless I bought the pink one because it's pretty awesome. But I think that uh, the display at 1080p, it's not the resolution that bothers me, although I'm used to retina type displays on everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like the aspect ratio and that's minor. I think the brightness is really the one that kills me. For, little, yeah. it, it, I mean, you know, I expect a MacBook Air from five years ago to not be too bright, but a brand new Chromebook, even one that's eight, the one I have is the i5. I think that's what they sent us. Yeah, so they it's sent like, us the step up from the It's base. like 849. And at 849, I expect, you know, I expect five, 600 nits. Not, mm -hmm. I don't, maybe that's what they spec it up, but it doesn't feel that way to me. It, it needs, so that would be about the only thing about it is the brightness on it. And for me, sometimes touch, touch sensitivity on the display doesn't, like I, I actually try to hit it. I know I'm touching it. I'd have to do it a couple of times. But still, overall, I think the the usability, the the form factor, the battery life, the fast charging. The battery life. Oh, the fast charging. You're right. That I was mean, like thing charges so quick. I know. And the battery life is insane. So at the media, since we're talking about our friends at MediaTek today, um, 
I, at the MediaTek uh, Summit mm-hmm. in San Diego, I used it during that entire day of briefings, mm-hmm. and I finished the day at, at half battery. Yeah, no, it, like it's, it was it's on a, almost the whole it's time. It's amazing, and I, for me, Chrome, Chrome OS offers us that marriage between Android and uh, and basically Chrome as the browser, right? So for me, I love it because I can run all my ninety percent of my Chrome uh, my Android applications on it, and I can still run Chrome. It just runs everything, and it lasts forever. How can there's no way to go wrong. If there's anything I would love on it, maybe a USB A port. I know I it, you shouldn't, but it's just, sometimes <laughs> it's not going like to happen with Google. <laughs> it's mostly just because I, I'd like to be able to, you know, because I have so many A to C. C to C are very rare yeah. for me. So it, it's like, yeah. But otherwise, I think the Pixel Poco, I think, is a definite winner. Um, definitely much better. It's not as high. The, the the display is not as high quality. You don't have any pen input, but you're getting the sixteen by nine aspect ratio, long battery life, great speakers, so and touch for, touch compatible. Touch compatible. Yeah, no, it's it's for me when I when I got the Pixel Book Go was right around the time I um, my time with the uh, the uh, Galaxy Fold was over. Yeah. So I I was er- yearning for that bigger display on my phone. That kind of filled it in for me. I was like, I can carry this. It's really thin. Fits everywhere. Yeah. And just so you know, we hadn't planned talking about the Pixel Book Go, but here we are again because it's so awesome it that it's made it into two episodes. Woohoo. <laughs> um, you wanted to briefly talk about the uh, new NVIDIA Shield TV box. There's, yeah. Because the, I don't have, uh, I mean, I use an Apple TV as a set top box. That's the only so one I, yeah, I have. I'm so mostly Android TV. So. Are you, what, what is good about it? What is bad? Give us the. Um, Ten, in, in, the in, ten second, not ten seconds. The two minute lowdown. So the easiest way to describe this is if you've ever used an Android TV box, be it Google or be it any other, like you know Xiaomi or whatever, um, or the Mi boxes. I would say this offers you the best experience of the smallest form factor with portability. Um, oh, so it's a stick. It's kind of like a stick. It's a, oh, okay. it's a cylinder. All right. So uh, it's if, if I had to describe it, it's basically kind of like a um, like almost like a bar Toblerone, but more cylindric as opposed to triangle shaped. Yeah. And then yeah, for the the remote works great with it. You can stream everything. It does 4K upscaling from 1080p. Um, SD card adaptable storage in there. You can expand it. Wow. Um, and it supports almost any any media streaming service that you can think of. Yeah, because of. it's all an app, right? It's essentially, yeah. And, yeah. and so that was the beauty of it. And, and it starts at like 150 which is the cheapest they've ever sold it. So for me, I've been playing with the Pro and the Standard Shield uh, for the last couple of weeks, working up on my review, and it just keeps surprising me. And NVIDIA's, NVIDIA's motto for the longest time is supporting their, their, their buyers. And they're still pushing updates to the first generation of NVIDIA Shield TVs. So very impressed with it. If you haven't had a chance, or if you do get an opportunity, definitely check out the streamer. Uh, the stick, the standard NVIDIA TV at 150 is actually really nice. Sounds good. And the price sounds pretty damn good. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I can see they're, they're pricing it for the holidays. I can so see before we go and do our outros and then tell everybody where they can find all of our content, mm-hmm. um, quick, quick fire, rapid fire, since this is a bit of a MediaTek show, what's the last phone you reviewed that had a MediaTek chip? Is that a quiz? Is a tough question? It is a tough question because it's been a while. Okay. It's been a while. So I personally haven't, so I mentioned the Note 8 Pro. That was something, one of my other creators over on XDA that covered it. The last phone I covered that was MediaTek was a uh, Speed, I think it was at the Speed 3. It was a U, U, uh, an EU phone that had a MediaTek chipset that I got introduced to them when I was in at MWC. Right. So it's been a while. Okay. That and 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 I'll be honest, but that's for me. It's mostly just availability. Like I said, it's yeah. It's available in a lot of the IoT things that we didn't know was there, but 
Hardware-wise and phones, it hasn't really. I think we should bug them about getting some Reno Two Z P ninety phones. I saw the I saw the Reno Two Z and the and the uh, and the uh, the Redmi Note Eight. I yeah, say they, yeah. were, they were they had a table there. So anyway, because, we'll, you can see it, yeah. we'll ask. For me, the last one I played was the Uliphone Armor Six E, which I wrote a story about okay. on Android Police. Uh-huh. It's a uh, rugged phone mm-hmm. with a P seventy. But anyway, it's a mid range phone, two hundred ish dollars. It's a rugged phone though, like milk spec mm-hmm. and IP super crazy IP. The cool thing is that I took it to Burning Man as my work phone. Oh, okay. like like rugged work phone. And it was awesome for that. Okay. And then prior to that, I played with an uh, Oppo A3. Um, oh, that's right. They did have, I think, when we were starting that was, the MediaTek that event, was a year they showed ago. some of your clips. Yeah, when was we... You, you and uh, uh, Kogan. So when we were at the MediaTek visit in Taiwan in November last year, 2018, mm-hmm. um, they gave us uh, some, some MediaTek phones to play with. Well, one, the A3. Okay. So anyway, tell people... If you would, where they can find your content on the internets, all your handles and other good whatever it is. So most people can find me on XDA Developers, um, either on the portal, the website, or on the YouTube side. But uh, you can find me as TK Bay on YouTube, as well as TKDSL8655, and I'm sorry for that one, on both Instagram and on There's Twitter. a nerd joke in there somewhere. It's, there? It's, 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 it was a long time ago. I carried it, and I just don't want to get rid of it. But if you actually type TK Bay on any social uh, event, you know, find me. It's hard not to recognize the beard. And you make great videos. I People should it. subscribe to the YouTube channel oh, yeah, and read your stuff on XDA. I appreciate it. Uh, you know where to find me, folks, on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. That's without the vowels. So like comic book character Tankgirl, drop the vowels, boom, there you are. You should comment about this podcast on uh, Twitter. That's where basically the whole conversation happens. And finally, you should uh, definitely check out the Instagram for some photos of phones and photos taken with phones. There's also a YouTube channel for visual content to go alongside the podcast. If you want to see the phones that we just talked about, the devices we just talked about, there'll be some videos on my channel, youtube.com slash Miriam Spell my full name. You can see my full name on my Twitter account. If you listen to the podcast, like you happen to just land here, mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL and there's an RSS feed there. But most importantly, I think most people just subscribe to like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, maybe Spotify. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those people, please do me a favor, rate me, rate the show and then rate and review and all that good stuff. There's also reviews you can do. This really helps the channel, right? Um, the other thing that helps the channel is to support our sponsor. We have a longtime sponsor that's audible.com and audible is awesome. It's a place to go for audiobooks. If you like to listen to books instead of reading them, maybe you've got a good reason. Maybe you do road trips a lot or you're a delivery driver and you're behind a car all day and you can't you can't read physically but you want to be entertained they're the place to go audible.com they have great selection of books books read by the authors and the best part is that if you join there is a special deal that supports the show and gives you a book to keep after your 30-day free trial so you can either stay off the end or leave you still get a book for free and you support the podcast there'll be a url in the show notes below please click through to support the podcast it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech and i want to thank audible for being a long time sponsor of the show and also i want to thank finbar for being on the show earlier but i want to thank tk for being on the show for like i don't know the second or third time or something yeah 
in person finally that's right good times it's yeah. better to do yeah, it in yeah. a hotel room together I, know. I was gonna say much better than the last time that we were absolutely I was outside and yeah yeah uh, you know we're gonna do a show next week so stay tuned for that and until then cheers everybody bye bye this has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com